alive and in color. <laughs> Shorty, you'd make the introduction. I can't do it. You can't? No. Yeah. Well, we're, we had a little, we've had a few hiccups, but we're, we're live and we got none other than a Mr. Mike Capron all the way from, uh, is it Westfield? West? Sheffield. Sheffield, Sheffield, Texas. Sheffield, America. And, uh, one of my, one of my great, great, um, he, he's more of a mentor to me than he probably realizes. He's probably <laughs> a more of a mentor to me than, than, uh, than probably any, anybody else other than my own dad, my dear deceased dad. So I guess I'll have to call you pop yes. along with Wilson. Pop or Pap or we call him all kinds of stuff, but we love you, Pop. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Love y'all, and so exciting. I'm proud to be here. <laughs> well, I couldn't get microphones to work this morning or earphones, right? I couldn't hear anybody. Pop got on, and we can certainly hear him loud and clear now. They got me all straight. And we've already had circumcision discussion. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> My, I got a. I got a nephew that poor little booger. Me and Pop have been lamenting how he's ten days old and going to get a circumcision finally, and it's probably going to take him a year to recover out of this deal before he can walk. And we're feeling really bad for him. But your first grandson, huh, Pop? How about that? Amen. I've I've had I don't know how many lovely granddaughters, but they have certainly opened the door for grandson Garrett. He is here. That's awesome. Congratulations to my little sis and my giant brother-in-law Travis. So it's all cool. That's awesome. That's great. I'm going to I'm going to click on noise cancellation so you'll go away for just a second, Mike. Yeah. It won't work. Oh, yeah. Oh well. It We're won't good. work. <clears throat> it's clicked. It's clicked on mine. Echo it's cancellation it doesn't it won't do it. Oh well. No matter. No matter. No, we were a day late getting this thing up and going. You were in San Antonio. What was? Give us a report yeah, on how that day went. Day of the Cowboy was Saturday. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, Day of the Cowboy was Saturday nationwide, and the Briscoe Museum in, in San Antonio uh, had a little celebration of the Day of the Cowboy. So me and Leland Hensley and Troy West and. And uh, Chase and Skull was there, Pop, sculpting. So we were all third floor of the of the Briscoe and doing what it is that we do and talking and all. It's kind of, it was kind of centered around children. I think it is everywhere. They got little rope and dummies set up and little barrel racing deals. You can't imagine how many stick horses come through or little kids practicing their barrel racing around the tables. It was pretty fun. Cool. <laughs> it was all good. Yeah. Lots of people. And then, and then we just went ahead and acted like we could afford it and stayed an extra three or four days and enjoyed the enjoyed the, the South Texas, the beginning of South Texas, I guess, San Antonio. It was fun. What is that, four hours it away was from you, something like that? Yeah, right at four, three and a half, four hours. <clears throat> so not too bad. We got home yesterday afternoon and busily went to putting things back together. Getting ready for this morning, we all... Well, is Jackson still still on staff there at Briscoe? Not only on staff, but now large and in charge. She's the oh the really? C yeah, she's the CEO oh, cool. president. So it's yeah. awesome. Not surprising. 
awesome, used to be awesome. at the, the museum there in Alpine, and now, now I'm moving up the ladder. That's cool. For sure. She's been there a while. How long, Pop? I mean, she left Alpine. Good question. I'm not real sure. Um, two or three years. years Five or there six. Been, was, yeah. 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 Tell you. She, did, she did say she missed Alpine, missed the wild, wild west, but certainly enjoys the opportunity of the Briscoe for sure. Good, good. Did you get a good visit with her? A little bit, yeah, right before things got kicked off there um, on Saturday. So got okay. to visit a little bit. Well, super. Yeah. I love to know people in high places. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's we right. got them in all levels of uh, social strata. We got them all, don't we? Yes. That's okay. That's good. Yes. Got to have diversity, isn't that the is thing good. today? Yes. Yes. Well, well, one of the things that we should that, get pop. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no you just, go first. You're we were smart. just talking there yesterday. I guess we were texting. We were talking about, and I, I mentioned that I, it's been quite a few years ago. Mike, uh, we were at the show or a spring meeting or something somewhere. It's been quite a few years ago, and I asked him, so. What kind of resources, what books would you recommend for art and, and uh, drawing and design and stuff like that? And you re- recommended two books, one of which uh, I've made good use of here for all these years uh, by Kaiman Nicolades, I think was how you pronounce his name. I don't know if that's how he pronounced it, but uh, long now deceased uh, artist educator from the northeast from probably what 100 years ago or so and a book called the natural way to draw and then later on i went to wilson's where we cooked a deal to do some filming of some of the stuff he had going on down there and and uh, i sat in on uh, his drawing and engraving class and and uh, we were talking about gesture drawing and i was taking off with everybody else and drawing and he walks over there he says that ain't a gesture drawing (laughs) (laughs) i got educated and uh i go through the same thing with my own students when i have an in-person class that ain't a gesture drawing we got to get wild we got to get loose we got to get all limbered up and lubricated and all that good stuff so thanks, Mike. I don't know how much you know about this story, but that was an important part of my pro- my process and, and drawing is getting loosened up. Where did you learn about that book, Mike? Where did you first hear about it? That This is a long story, Carrie, and it's a beautiful story, and I probably touch base with it every day because I still have students who come in the studio and they're varied ages, and I love to share what we've all been through of the learning curve. And this book of learning the natural way to draw was introduced to me by maybe, um, golly, this, I can't even remember. My first art lessons went back to the famous artist school, which was in Connecticut. 
but that's when I was in the service in the late 60s. But right shortly thereafter, probably about the time I, after I got married, I met an art teacher. She introduced me to that book, I'm pretty sure, along with a couple of others. But it has been a constant guide for me, and it's amazing to me how I still refer to this book whenever I get into a creative mode that I need to come up with something new and fresh and, and come up with ideas and so forth. Uh, and he, Mr. Hyman Nicolaides, and I'm not sure how to say it either. I never met him. And I, I have a bad habit of creating my own lingo. <laughs> but, he'll, make, he'll make a name up quick for you if he came here, yeah. I promise. <laughs> but, and that's how nicknames get started, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. anyway, Kyman uh, has constantly amazed me with his muscle memory of figuring out how to get something on paper uh, from visual um, exercises of eyesight, mind to paper, from out of the brain into the paper. And it is an exercise I will never, ever get tired of because uh, I'm right now, I'm amazed at how the eyeballs continue to learn. We never quit seeing, we never quit learning. And we'll every day or two, we'll go, well, I'll be, I never saw that before. And uh, this goes back to common Nicolaides. And here lately, I have had my eyes opened by a few artists that are a little older than I am. And I reflect back all the way to the Renaissance with comparing these notes in the visual journey. And I'm amazed that many people have making the same journey we are. So I get a big kick out of, of uh, comparing notes, the learning curve, constantly sharing, constantly looking, and enjoying the journey of seeing. And it, and that's a real journey too, right, Pop? I mean, the the from from learning to see, like it says in the book, you got five thousand drawings to do before you can ever start to get good enough to see what whether you're good or not, or whether it's working or not. And it just takes a long time, right? To, yes, it never ends. And, and I'm thoroughly convinced that this is a journey that we commit to when we say, I'm an artist. And that means anybody that creates a cake, a saddle, uh, whatever, uh, it is a journey of learning how to create something elegant, tasteful, beautiful, and uh, all of these visual patterns are never ending so it, it for those that uh that don't know you pop which i doubt is very many on this that are listening to this <laughs> but, but for those that don't they've all heard me most of them have heard me if they've lived in this podcast twice they've heard me talk about what you've done for me in art and and how i started to be uh you know, I was I was whacking metal together for Greg, and I started this engraving thing, and that's when you said we better start talking about art and design. And so y'all just got a taste of the uh, conviction, right, of what <laughs> art means to Pop, and re- and refu- refuses to allow any of us. He just he just um, um, what, what, it, y- y'all all can't get out of it now. You just heard it. it art is in everything. It's an like you said, baking a cake or saddles, bis spurs, anything. It doesn't matter. Building a fence has art, right, Pop? So Yes, sir, without a doubt. And this is truly a cranial cavity 
that we all have that needs to be exercised um, from day one. And this is where I think we've kind of dropped the ball in our school system of focusing too much on some other cranial cavities that are very much there, but leaving out the fact that you can learn to draw if you can sign a check. And this, those basics of, of hand and eye coordination are taught in printing and writing cursive and doing all these things. But yet when it comes to drawing a horse or a cow or something like that, then no, you don't have to learn the symbols of a horse or a cow. You learn the symbols of the alphabet, but it's the same crab, uh, cavity that we learn that we need to exercise. All of us need to exercise that because we've been doing it since we've been in school, but it's not extended to the point that it needs to be to learn how to put our thoughts on paper that are very, very easy to do if we exercise that cranial cavity. Yep. So we, we should That's probably, <laughs> we should probably take, make some attempt at, at defining gesture drawing, which is really the, the cornerstone of what Nicolades uh, was trying to get across. What, what is gesture drawing in your words, Mike? Okay. The, the first impression of hand and eye coordination from mind to paper, we have, we all have a total picture of what we want to draw, whether it be a saddle or a bit, spurs, horse, cow, whatever. It is a gesture of the animal we see in our mind. In other words, you have a mental image in your mind of what you want to draw. So the first thing you need to do is put that whole image from your mind onto a piece of paper. Get it all down in one big don't let your hand leave the paper. You, you move from one end of that image to the other end, getting it on the paper. And when you finally pick up your pencil, you should have a gesture of what's in your mind of that image that you have been trying to portray to the paper. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Very rough, very mm-hmm. crude probably may not even have a full resemblance of that image in your head, but you're getting something down on paper. As time passes, you get better and better and better at putting this gesture drawing down. Mm-hmm. And it, it increases through the mental exercise of hand and eye coordination is what it amounts to. And you get, you've got to get these images out of your head on the paper. And the only way to do it is to put them down fast and get them there. And don't worry about accuracy. Worry about feeling. Worry about gesture. Worry about what's going on with that. It may be a stationary saddle, but that saddle has to be in position for you to believe it. So So one of the things he talks about is draw what, not what it is, but what it is doing. And and that's what you just said, right. Mike, is you're trying to figure out what is this thing doing, even though it may be in an inanimate object, it's doing something. There, there's movement there. There's something going on with that object. Very much so. And this is so, these are the mental strong impressions that you get when you're looking at something. When you're looking at it, 
it maybe it's not moving, but it's sitting there. And you can get that stationary immobility in a gesture drawing mm-hmm. if you will tackle that. Or you can get a, a running a running human or a cow or a horse or any animal will have that gesture that maybe you don't get the feet in the exactly right place, but you're going to get a feeling of motion that you're coming out of your head that you see in your mind onto that paper. So it, to me, this is the foundation of creativity of allowing us to, to tell a story in a way that can't be captured by camera or can't be captured by mechanics technology. This is the, this is the, the core fundamental that we all have to be able to accomplish in order to be ultimately creative and not limited in our creativity. I've been impressed here lately. And of course I'm, I'm always looking at something and I'm always searching for new visual excitement. And I have bumped into some artists who are truly, and this is the pattern of understanding the visual concept of putting something on paper or canvas is how do you do a good job? And it takes time to do a good job. Mm. And uh, don't ask me to, to draw a scroll because I've never practiced a scroll. Right. But you both y'all understand scrolls explicitly, but, but I can ask you to, to draw me a, a horse or a cow and you're going out. Well, I can draw you part of a horse or part of a cow, but to get the whole thing in there, I just haven't practiced that. Or, you know what I'm saying, or some variable of thereof. But these uh, these patterns of visual excitement is so beautiful. And here lately, I have been introduced to a few individuals who have shown me a few things that I'm going, wow, I never dreamed that that was possible to create that much more excitement in a drawing or a painting. And it doesn't have anything to do with the 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 uh, medium that you're using it has to do with placement of those gestures contours darks and lights and the whole piece of canvas that you're dealing with to get your eye to move around exciting to where it doesn't stay in one spot where it skips real fast it's like dancing to a real fast tune. it's like doing the seven step polka um, your feet are moving, but you're not telling which foot to move where. And that's where this journey of putting down darks and lights, whether you're carving leather or engraving steel, it is a journey of getting those beautiful little bitty details moving in, a, in exciting patterns. So you, you, you talk about the darks and lights and, and in design, your darkest darks and your brightest brights create the focal points, right? And that's where your eye goes to first when those are. It, isn't it exciting that we do know that very rule, all yeah. of us that put your darkest dark and your lightest lights, and that's where your eye will go. Well, it's also, I'm learning here lately, to fill your canvas with focal points. Yeah. yeah and yeah. And to let those focal points move your eye in an exciting pattern that will cover your whole canvas, your mm-hmm. whole bit, spur, saddle, whatever. And these little points that excite you of these darks and lights, and they may be no more than flecks of a, a prick of the, of the, of the uh, engraver or the, or the uh, you know, uh, nothing like a swivel knife, 
to create excitement on a piece of leather. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a gentleman who was an old saddle maker, and Kerry probably probably heard of him, and I can't think of his name. It wasn't Nicolaides, but, uh, <laughs> but he, wa- he was working in a saddle shop in El Paso years ago. No, he wasn't working there. He was working. This was Blue Mail Saddlery. Uh, I walked in and had a good friend who was a saddle maker there, and I would just go in there when I was in El Paso to check in on him. And there was a, a friend who was a he loved tequila and he loved a swivel knife, but he didn't have a steady job. He didn't so, have. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Was that, what brought you in there, the tequila or the swivel knife? Well, that was, yeah. how'd, how'd y'all become friends? Well, I'm curious. It's a it's a long story of where we, <laughs> but we did bump in at Blue Mail Saddlery, and. Uh, I didn't have any idea that he was on tequila that much until he picked up this saddle maker's swivel knife and he was putting a padded seat. No, no, no. He wasn't putting a padded seat. He had to put a padded seat in this saddle after this tequila drinker got hold of the swivel knife and carved (laughs) the most beautiful scroll in the seat of that saddle. He had already put the seat in that saddle and it was already nearly finished. And this, Tequila drinker grabbed his swivel knife and put the most beautiful scrolls, designs, and patterns in the seat of that saddle. And I just had a fit, and it just was beautiful. He could do that with a raw uh, swivel knife, no design, nothing except an image in his head came mm. out, and he went on that seat of that saddle. And and uh, I tried that- to buy that saddle. I wanted that saddle so bad, and uh, it's. It's it, well, I owned it for a long time. I did buy it finally secondhand, but uh, but it was a good story of what a beautiful artist that guy was. They could just pick that swivel knife up and just literally doll up that brand new saddle that was fixing to go out the, the door. So, you said something that's key ingredient to all those there, and Carrie and I've talked about it a little bit, but he he didn't use a pencil, he just went to drawing straight on it. Because he could see it before he started cutting it, right? Yes, yes, yes. And that's why we've got a new gesture drawings. That was just a gesture drawing out of his head with a swivel line. Right. It was clean, precise. It wasn't oh, being... Oh, 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 it was unbelievably beautiful design. And and as Carrie knows, a swivel knife can create such a beautiful flow with the depth and the cuts and everything and this whole thing was so beautifully done with a swivel knife that it made the swivel knife truly a piece of art sure well, we talk about that right carrie i mean you, you oh, yeah, jump yeah. without a net you know just get to going <clears throat> well there's there's that a lot of water that a lot of water has to go run under the bridge to get to that place though right i mean Woo. you have to that's where that's where there's no shortcuts to get get to where you can envision you can have a oh maybe maybe not complete image in your head but you you've got the confidence the freedom and to jump off and a net will appear and and whatever happens happens and when you have that kind of confidence stand back uh things can happen but there's a lot of that 
the, the gesture drawing, you, you talked about the tequila, <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, all in all seriousness, seriousness though, that, that what that probably did for him along with a whole bunch of repetition is relaxed. He was relaxed. It is a, he got rid of the fear factor. Yep. Mr. Tequila, no Mr. Tequila, Mr. Tequila rode fear factor out the door. And he went right back at his gesture drawing and, and, uh, me and Mr. And said, me and, me and Mr. Tequila can handle this. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. So, so you were, you were talking about that last week, Carrie, a little bit. One of the questions of, of creativity and, and being able to just relax. Right. I mean, that's what, that's, that's exactly not that we're <laughs> telling everybody they need to get a good glass of tequila in order to draw. But, and hopefully they, they don't in a lot of ways. But the other thing is, is, is don't be scared of the process. Don't be scared of the journey of just sitting down and drawing. And we all sit down with a blank canvas and go, holy cow, I'm about to mess it up. Well, own that. You are. the first, Right, Pop? The first time you put that first mark down, that first mark screws up your canvas. Exactly, so just, yeah. So it's okay to mess it up. But now what you have to do is... is uh, it's just relax and let the process happen and, and hey, accept it. It's not going to look good in the beginning, but you have to keep doing it over and over and over again to where ultimately you're going to say, I'm going to put three marks on this canvas and it's going to look good. That's where the true masterpiece comes about with a minimal, minimal amount of marks and a masterpiece at the end of it, which is not the purpose of gesture drawing, right? That's not the purpose. It's there. there yeah, there is a sequence of, of all of us's pattern of creativity whether it be leather or steel or canvas or paper mm -hmm. there is a process of comfort uh, and we do develop this if we stay with it long enough and this is where um, uh, it's very important to do it just, you, same old act same old deal we've always heard just do it just mm -hmm. do it and this is where you have to feel comfortable to get something in your head. And when you feel that freshness in your head, go put it on paper, put it on steel, put it on leather. And don't worry about where that piece of leather, where that piece of steel or where that paper goes. Just get it on that, get it on that material that you have to deal with every day. And uh, this is where I encourage <laughs> the... <laughs> What's he giggling about now, Kerry? <laughs> I got I got all kinds of crap going through my head. I can talk about. <laughs> he'd always tell me, Kerry. He's like, he's like, he'd say, "You got to do a little more. You got a little more." I was like, "I'm about to mess it up. I can't do more." And of course, me being business minded, I was always worried about being broke and trying to make a dollar. You know, and I'd only been two days past when I thought I was going to get it done. At that point, he'd say, "You got to do more." You got, and I'm like, "No." He said, you don't know what too far is until you go too far. And, I, and mm -hmm. most of my career, I've been worried about being, going too far. And Pop's all the time telling me, you don't know what it is. You've never been there. You have to go too far. And then, of course, you screw it up once it's too far. And Pop wads up the paper and starts over and doesn't give it down. And, and that's why he can do what he can do. But me, I was all the time worried about it. And it, But you, you, you don't know what you can do until you try and uh, too far is a part of that trying, uh, for sure. But it, it's 
Don't worry about it, right, Pop? Just get at oh, it. Oh, yeah. And, that, and I'm working right now on, and I love all of the possibilities of making a dollar with your art. And this is where you invariably will get tight and get all nervous about whether or not you're going to make a sale or not. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I've kind of, I'm not financially stable enough to not give a shit. But <laughs> I still will jump off the bridge and tackle some things that uh, maybe aren't me in the in the best hmm. best uh, definition. And I did finish a painting here just recently, and and it was a commission piece, and it was uh, one of those deals. I thought, well, I don't know. This is kind of a weird little commission. I did it, and. The buyer said, nope, that's not what I had in mind. And I said, well, okay, I understand. I said, what do you have in mind? Let's see <laughs> if I can get it done. And so I jumped, and these are big canvases, 20, 22 by 30, 24 by 30, which is a several-day endeavor. But anyway, I said, yes, ma'am, let me get another one going. And I jumped off another one, and both of them, I thought, you know, Mike, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to pursue some things that you wouldn't do normally. And you've got to learn how to overcome that negativity of that's not good enough. You've mm. got to dazzle your, your client to where they got to have it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you can step up to the plate and tell them, send me your best pitch and get after that process of creativity and looking and spending the day saying, I want to try this. I want to try that. And I'm very excited now to have learned something. I haven't finished this painting, but I'm still having fun with that process of doing some new and exciting things along with some of these other things I've been looking at. We were talking about darks and lights and, and Mm. multiple focal points. And so I've created this painting with multiple focal points. And I put two, two ravens in it the other day. And, of course, Ann comes in. What would you do that for? You screwed up the whole painting. <laughs> I, said, I said, well, honey, I just, I just thought that was the thing to do at the time. And I never saw a painting without a good raven in it. <laughs> so, so it will tax you to do something you've never done before. And it might create something that is exciting. And so that's where I'm having a lot of fun with this is to create all these different focals in this same painting. So to me, it's, it's knowing the fundamentals, having rules and, and, and allowing it to, um, it, with fundamentals and with rules, you know, you have a foundation to build off of, even though it's not your norm, you still kind of know what, how to make it work be, because you have that foundation underneath you. Right. It, it's amen. That's if you don't have your basic fundamental, you cannot quit your basic fundamentals. You can mm-hmm. twist them and bend them, but you cannot do without them. And this is where, because your eyes are the master, your eyes are going to tell you yes, no. And this is where you have to rely on your eyes and that constant search engine that we all have for looking at new and beautiful things. And, and y'all do it all the time. You go, Holy cow, look at that. I've never seen that before. That's gorgeous. I want to try that in your field of art with other people. And 
Some of them are accidents and some of them are, are real. This latest thing with me is how to create a focal point that's so exciting that people can't look, can't quit looking at it. Mm. And it has to do with, um, back to that swivel knife that old boy grabbed in the seat of that saddle. He knew a swivel knife so good that every cut was just drop dead gorgeous. I mean, it was beautiful in the flow of those cuts. And the same, it happens with brushwork and, and pencil work and swivel knife work and engraving. You know, it's like you said before, Wilson, that old boy can damn sure engrave. Mm-hmm. And some people can use an engraver and it may not be where you've been, but they're good engravers. And, right. and, and that is a talent that is, I think, God-given talent that some enjoy and some pursue. And, and uh, I think it's a passion and a talent that we need to recognize, pursue, and give credit and don't forget. Yeah. And talent meaning they liked it enough they kept going down the journey long enough that they got good at it, right? That's all talent is. Talent is no more than a word for somebody that has been in pursuit of their passion. Yeah, exactly. Amen. I kind of roll it back uh, a notch or two here on on this whole gesture drawing deal. Um, I've I've been teaching this in my in-person classes for quite a few years, and and, uh, there was one class, uh, it's been quite a long time ago now, but uh, had a, had a student in there, and he was just struggling. He was had this staring contest with a blank piece of paper, and I think we all have been there. He just can't get anything going. So, what he what it looked to me like what he was doing was he was trying to envision something in his head and fabricate this image out of whole cloth in his head, and then go to paper, but he was trying to circumvent the process. And, and I realized, Mm -hmm. I said, mister, you're starving yourself. And, and the, the thing about gesture drawing is you get stuff down on paper and that feeds, you said a moment ago, Mike, it's about what your eyes see. You have to have something to look at for your eyes to see. You have to feed yourself with visual information and that's the process i see in in many many students you probably see it too wilson where where people want to they want to have this vision in their mind that's all all set in stone and all worked out and everything good luck with that i can't i i'm probably very i can do that now but there were years and years and years i had to get information on paper to feed myself visual information so I could work it out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it goes back. So we we all hear the story of Pop talking about the guy with the swivel knife and a glass of tequila and just sit down and did it. And we call it talent. That's the ultimate, right? That's the ultimate end thing that we're all striving for. But the process of the beginning is what we're talking about with gesture drawing. It's information gathering, right? And that's what it is, Pop, is we're, we're learning our subject matter. Exactly. And this is where um, nowadays, and and I don't want to dwell on this, but it is, we have so much technology now and it is beautiful if we use that technology in the proper means. 
but now people can can get a photo of their subject that they are commissioned to do or want to do, and they can immediately project that image onto their paper, their canvas, and get a very exacting likeness without a gesture drawing. And so this is where uh, certainly nothing wrong with it, but it limits you to the sheer fact that you're stuck with that image that you just projected on that canvas. And you're also limited to the point that you can't give it any extra movement. You, you've lost a feel for your subject by projecting it on your canvas if you want to create something in a storytelling manner. It's like, um, you know, the, many storytellers have a beautiful way of it enhancing the story. That maybe they're not lying, but they will make that story much more beautiful than lying about it. And it's just a better story. And I and I'm, I love it, but I can't always retell somebody's story because they have a heart, slices of heart that go into it. And this is what happens with um, beautiful gesture drawings, beautiful drawings. And, th and that's why there's artists that we all love, but there's never been another one of those artists mm. because their signature is in that art and it because they learned how to gesture draw in the beginning. Now, they didn't call it that maybe. Maybe they were 100 years before. I mean, it's like looking at some of, like looking at the Sistine Chapel and, and some of Michelangelo stuff, and you look at the Pieta and, and uh, some of his uh, statue of David, good grief, that's in marble. Um, you think he didn't have some tools and know how to use them to, to make no mistakes in marble, no. nor erasers. And so this is where those guys knew their subject explicitly and they could alter according to, to make a beautiful statue. Yep. Can you tell Mike, when you look at art, Whatever it may be, can you tell if that artist is using a projected image or or if they have or if they make it a matter of practice to keep their drawing skills through gesture drawing? Can you tell the difference when you look at a finished piece? Uh, good, good question, Kerry. I um, uh, sometimes yes. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, there are some artists that. Uh, are very prolific now and I, I'm not spending much time trying to pass judgment on these artists about how they get it done I'm now at the point where the quality is in the final statement. If you get it done every time and it's a good piece I don't really care how you do it. Just get it done. But it's got to pass that test of visual appreciation mm -hmm. and it's got to really be uh, there are some things that uh, if you, I mean, you're not going to dazzle me with a great drawing of no middle ground and no background, no foreground. I want to see the whole depth of atmosphere in your drawing. I want to see your nose stick out further than your eyeballs. Does that make so, sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does to me. And, and, and what it, so what it is, is, is a, we're not mad at tools in the toolbox, right? And technology is wonderful tools. There's wonderful things yeah. that technology yeah. can do for us. 
But if you don't have all the tools in your toolbox and you only went to an end result that's going to give you immediate credibility with the with the beginning viewer of, okay, it looks real, so he's obviously a good artist and, and a very uneducated art connoisseur, right? If, they, if, it, if it looks like a person, well, hell, he's a good artist, where in reality you can some of the gesture – the, the, no, not gesture. Let's do it this way. Some of the fundamental tools can be used to do less of an accurate drawing, but tell a much greater story because those tools are 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 in there. And so that's the that's the gripe with the hurry up, let's get it done now attitude of of, of technology. You're not you're forgetting some of the base fundamental tools that it's going to take to execute the job properly. And so that's how you judge it like me and the fiber lasers and all that stuff is, is like, Hey, they're great tools, but that's not the end all. It's not going to do it for you. We have to educate our collector base, what technology can do. We also have to educate our peers as to what all they need in order to complete the project and projection or fiber laser engravers. That's not it. That's not, that's just part of the story. That's where, yes. And I, this is the whole, and the main thing, about all of these tools is that understand them, use them, don't limit yourself and don't let them be parameters for you. You mm-hmm. need to, you need to create your own art with whatever tools, whatever size lead, whatever, whatever you get a hold of, make sure that you, if you, if you don't limit yourself, you don't limit your market, but you limit yourself. You're going to limit your market. Mm-hmm. Uh, engraving machines are that way for me in that uh, I learned with Greg of what they call push engraving, engraving by hand, no machine assist. Well, since I learned that technique, the tool, the machine now is an asset and not a crutch. I don't have to have that machine to do the engraving that I do, but I can do so much more engraving with the machine because it's not a crutch. It's an asset. It enhances my skill set. It makes it even better. So, um, and it takes a long time. It took me a year to engraving by hand before I put it on anything of value. Right. And it still looked like crap a year later, but, uh, that, that, that journey is what has to happen and creativity. Holy cow. I mean, we, anybody listening to this creativity can happen in CEOs of major businesses. I'm pretty sure. How are we going to how are we going to run a business? It's creativity. You're going to have to have some gesture ideas put out there before it's going to work. I would think. Where'd Carrie go? I lost Carrie. <laughs> you don't see me? <laughs> no, no, I don't have you on camera. It's, I got a speaker, but I don't oh. have any camera. Maybe I need well, to click. No, no, no. It's not you. Poor connection, probably. Oh, oh here you go. Gary has limited internet service in it. <clears throat> so well, I want you, you're not going to be impressing me in Sheffield. He's got <laughs> he's got fiber optic straight to his doorstep oh. in downtown Sheffield, America. Really? Oh yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 Very much so. Well, I promise what? you that the curve of the learning journey of the arts. And I'm with, when I say arts, I don't exempt anybody that's creating something. If you're creating, it's amazing about the fundamentals of the creative cycle is a journey of learning, 
seeing and continuing to pursue. Uh, and the good Lord will, will push you if you will pay attention. And uh, that, I think, is a beautiful, um, beautiful way to handle it is to get after it, tackle the blank canvas, and don't be afraid to try some new things. But don't worry about the unsuccessful route that may happen because you'll learn something if you'll do it. And I'm amazed at how much... Now, there's no better time right now than to be an artist because there's so much visual information out there that we can compare and study and learn from that uh, uh, somebody the other day said, uh, don't be afraid to copy a painting, but don't get in the, in the groove of just copying and putting your name on all of them. Mm-hmm. And so learn, learn when you copy something. And then because God made us all different, he can't make you to where you're going to paint it just like the guy that you're copying from. But mm-hmm. you're going to learn something. You're going to say, oh, that's how he did that brushstroke. Or that's how he did this or that. So it is a genuine passion to create and just follow the journey. I was I was listening. I took a class from a Belgian engraver one time, and he and this I'm going to relate it back to what you're talking about there, Pop. Is he used uh, templates and fixtures to sharpen his tools? They're great, but he said, "Don't become a slave to that. Don't become a yeah, slave yeah. and limit yourself to that to that pattern." And and that's what you're saying here is like, hey, there's nothing wrong with, with, with copying and doing, but don't don't. Don't limit yourself there. Don't become a slave to it. You know, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. expand exactly. and go further. Yeah, exactly. In my classes, I I actually encourage people to copy, especially if they're just getting going. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you look at mm-hmm. the music uh, genre; everybody's copying. That's the only way yeah. you can get going. You can't start composing music. When you're beginning, you copy. That's right. So you just, but you use that only as a stepping stone. And I think that's what both of you are saying is that in mm-hmm. your journey, you got to be looking a, for an off ramp <laughs> and, and find a way to, for your own artistic expression of, of uh, whatever the medium you're pursuing. Yeah. That's very interesting. And it's very, because I am not audio carry. I cannot carry a tune i cannot recite poetry i can't remember that they needed to kick me out of the marine corps because i couldn't remember their hymn and (laughs) and and i'm just not audio um and and i don't pursue that but i know that that creative cycle happens audio just like it happens with the visual arts Mm -hmm. i am just so visual that uh i'm embarrassed about it <laughs> you'd be more audio if you could hear but you can't hear so well i'm hearing i'm hearing good right now but what, what it's like when, it's amazing about how that works and i thought about this earlier i thought you know whenever they told me in algebra that a plus b equals c i threw it out the window <laughs>
that that I couldn't remember that, and it did sure. because it just it didn't register, and so uh, I wouldn't I didn't soak it up, and I didn't and I and I basically threw all algebra out the window because it was too audio. You had to learn all these things. It wasn't and and the, my art, my algebra teacher told me said can't you take anything for granted, my no. I said, well, no, not really. <laughs> Mike, I, How I you want... scarred you early? <laughs> yeah, yeah I know. Me. I got scarred big time from algebra. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a, a treat to have you on the podcast. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking about this morning, and, uh, that, well, I've actually been thinking about it for the last, I don't know, couple three weeks probably um <clears throat> mcconaughey and in, in a podcast that wilson and i listened to there about three weeks ago he talks about uh his aversion to the cynicism that tends to creep in as we get older mike you are just the opposite of that and uh i i don't you you, you talk about the excitement of learning you're not down on technology. You see technology is playing a, an important role moving forward. And every day for you is an opportunity for discovery. Thank Can you, Can you Gary. speak to Thank that? You. What's you your can't. secret to, to holding okay. off that cynicism that often comes with older as we age? What's okay. your secret? Uh, that is... That's a pet peeve. Well, that's a pet peeve of mine is that when I get in a group of, of, you can call them whatever you want, but my age group, uh, <laughs> when I get in that group and they get hung in some cynicism of the present day today, I promise you, I will leave. I'll get up. I'll walk out. I will tell them you're going to change the subject because it is not progressive, and it is not—it's um, not a growth factor. I mean, you—you're you, starting downhill with that negativism, and um, I have been probably—and I've—I had a lady call yesterday, so I kind of got hung up here on uh, thoughts and ideas. But she was a, a really sharp lady who was asking all the right questions. And she said, okay, you quoted this and you quoted that. And it was for an article. She is, she was actually proofreading an article that somebody else wrote. And I thought, well, now that's interesting. Um, and I really like to learn from different creative processes and, uh, writers and, and, uh, artists have a lot in common. And I told her after a little while, I said, do you write? You sure sound like a writer. She said, I do. And I said, it's amazing how our minds search for excitement within an article or a painting or a saddle or a design. We look for excitement. So if you can constantly looking for that excitement, you're going to stay positive. You're not mm -hmm. going to get hung up on the negativity. And uh, it goes all the way back. Or since she said, uh, what about this Vietnam thing? And she was doing an article on, on me uh, that she wanted to know about my my Vietnam, ex, not my experiences, but my 
kind of my attitude about it. I said, baby, that is the best thing that ever happened to me. She said, what? And I said, uh, she said, what were you? And I said, I just a regular old common radio operator and uh, thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it because I had so many opportunities to learn something completely different from anything I'd ever been exposed to before. And uh, I said, I did really get to know God in downtown Vietnam. And I said, that was the greatest lesson for me in Vietnam there was. When I came home, I was appalled at how people didn't know God and wouldn't pay any attention to him and were afraid to commit to positive growth and positive learning. And and they just had a horrible attitude towards each other uh, that I, I never have put up with it ever since then. I just won't be around any negativity or anybody that doesn't want to get up and put in a good solid day of mental attitude, physical attitude and enjoying the day. And I've got a, I'm working on a new painting. I got to tell you about (laughs) (laughs) this is a background of Sheffield, Texas. And it's a, it's a portrait of backstreet and backstreet is uh, we got main street, we got Front Street and Back Street. That's the only streets in Sheffield. And Back Street is where everybody goes when they don't want nobody looking at you. And so there's people who cruise Sheffield down Back Street. And so and I'll Which sit is, out there. I'll sit that, out there on Back Street and watch all the people cruise Back Street. That's and, your uh, that's your back door, right? Between yeah, you yeah, and the yeah. water tower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's between that's the street between me and the water tower. And uh, and I've got this painting started of my house, my studio, and Sheffield from the back door. And, and back streets right in the front. And there's this horse, old Apache's leaning over the fence, bending down, getting a, a tuft of green grass across the fence. And he's... In Aunt Joan's yard. Well, it's actually an extension. <laughs> I did a little artistic freedom there. And oh, I extended... Yeah. I extended Aunt Joan's yard and our yard to Back Street. Uh-huh. And he's leaning over the back fence back there. And the name of the painting is Sheffield. Nowhere but in Sheffield that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. <laughs> I think I saw that. Did you have that posted? I, have, I, haven't, I, I haven't posted it yet. I've got an underpainting of it. And I love working out. And this goes back to this gesture drawing. And I will really enjoy a monochrome underpainting of a gesture drawing. And because you can wipe it out, you can turpentine it. I mean, not tur- you can mineral spirits. And, and uh, you can work on that monochrome until you get it in your head like you want it. And uh, so I was working on this. Mon- and I, I love the monochrome. I love the painting and it's go Apache bent down, getting a piece of green grass at the very bottom of the canvas, which this gives you the focal of the diagonals. I'm coming from one diagonal of one corner to the other diagonal to the very bottom of the painting where Apache is leaning down, getting a piece of green grass. So this, you're going to look at Apache on the leaning over on the other side of the fence. And that's where the painting is nowhere, but Sheffield can you find or let's see, I screwed up yeah. the. I'm yeah. not audio. You remember that, don't you? <laughs> I got the painting down. I, 
I've, I've got the painting down, but I screwed up the title. <laughs> but me, <laughs> me, me and Pop have never heard the words of a song. We can both dance like a by gosh, but we just hear the drummer and the and the bass. That's all we hear. <laughs> you got you got the rhythm, but I don't know what we're dancing to, what? but we got the rhythm. Not the real. Well, thanks, Pop, for screwing up my credibility, and that everybody thought I just came out positive, and that's who I was. But now everybody knows what the hell, why I'm so damn positive, because he refused to allow anything else except for positivity and growth, and no sucking your thumb. I did suck my thumb till I was seven, but but uh, that was the last thumb sucking I got in. Pop hadn't let that happen since. So. Well, I, I had I had a big deal about you thuck, sucking your thumb when you started school, and. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and ask her doctor, what are we going to do with Wilson? He's still sucking his thumb. And the doctor said, how many 21 year old boys do you know they're sucking your thumb? She said, I don't know any. She said, well, quit worrying about it. <laughs> you know, he'll, out, he'll outgrow it. You know, how he fixed it, Carrie. And this, uh, this kind of cool story about you, pop. I mean, six bar was. I guess when we left a hundred thousand acres, right? Somewhere around yeah. there. I mean, yeah. in, in the beginning it wasn't. So, uh, Chihuahuan desert at its finest and, and had a, had the Delaware rim on it. And so, um, kind of mountainous in certain plot spots, certainly flat and desert in the other spots. But anyhow, how many teenage kids, the oldest one was 13 years old and he hired from 13 to me at youngest at seven to help you do the works. Right. And we went through the spring branding. And the oldest one there was 13, and there was 14 of them, I think. I have kids I mean, everywhere. And so yeah. uh, I could suck my thumb at home after kindergarten, and nobody would know. I lived with them bastards for two weeks. I had to quit sucking my thumb, so that's when I quit <laughs> sucking my thumb, be around all them guys. And I was the only one in kindergarten, too, right? So it wasn't a big right. deal to hide yeah. in kindergarten. But right. you get 13 of them there, and the oldest one's 13. Well, I can't suck my thumb from all them guys, so. I had to quit. Well, you just didn't. Nobody made a big deal out of negative habits because they went away by themselves. And My, now, as we've aged, there's been some pressure to negative habits for sure. You're going to have to embrace art, son. That's not positive. So <laughs> to not embrace it. So here we go. <laughs> well, that, but when you when you you growing up, I didn't care if you played football or you rope or. Mm -mm. What you wanted to do. If you wanted to drive a truck, that's fine with me. I'd go buy you a truck or get you a truck. And and you had a lot of dump trucks and yellow mm -hmm. toys that you drove around all over. Every time I go to a roping, I had to scatter your trucks out there in the sand pile. And you were just happy as you could be while I was roping. Yeah. And well, uh, so. So it didn't matter what we did. However, we had to do it to the best of our ability. Yes. And, yes. and, and, and it didn't matter. You don't give a damn about anybody being the best. Just be the best that you can be. And if you're the best and giving half ass, you're not real proud of them, and you may no, or may not no. tell them. <laughs> and I'll tell them about it too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that that certainly is. Um, and I, one quick story, Kerry. Um, in Vietnam, <laughs> one night we're getting our ass kicked, and it ain't good. And Marines don't like to be second-handed. And so I thought, you know, this could be my last night. And I'm a little bit nervous about this. And I, I was not ever really nervous in the Marine Corps. 
because we always managed to overwhelm every situation I got into. But this was not a very good situation, and it wasn't looking good. And I said, you know, maybe I ought to go to God with this little deal because the Marine Corps ain't handling it. There's a lot of guys that's, that's sure getting their ass kicked and they're dying on this hilltop, and nobody's doing anything about it. Wasn't anything we could do. So I got down to my knees, and I prayed harder than I'd ever prayed. And I said, God, I've never needed you before. I was raised a good Christian boy. But by God, things ain't going my way tonight. I said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm a United States Marine, and I don't mind dying for my country. But I just don't know why, because I'm not upset with any of these people, and I don't really mind killing them, but I don't know why I have to kill them. And, and I know it's my job, but uh, there was no, at that moment, there was no great voice. There was no great lights. There was nothing except the, the weight of that pressure came off my shoulders. And I, I became extremely confident comfortable and the message was you're right mike tonight could be your last night it's already been the last night for all those boys laying around you but don't worry today is the first day of eternity and i'm going to take care of you from now on so get off your ass and go to work (laughs) i said yes sir and that i've never been afraid to question him ever since then about a what brush to use, what horse to ride, uh, what's for supper. You know, the, if I get into a dilemma of what am I going to paint next, I go straight to him, what's next, God? And invariably, there will be an insight that blows me away. And I love all, and I don't worry about what my, um, what my uh, image is. My image is in God's hands, and so I get after it. Uh, I love to ride, rope, and paint, and that's what I do. And God gave me that passion, and I'm still doing it. And so that's where that positive feeling of God made me just get off your ass and get after it. <laughs> Every day. That's, Every day. that's an awesome, awesome. What is it? Lo- lo- uh, what, a, what a great story. And uh, probably most of us have something, maybe perhaps not so, quite so dramatic, but when you when you think you're in control of everything, that's a heavy load to carry. That's a heavy mm. load. Ooh. And when you let go of that, then life gets better. And that's it did in a big way for you, Mike, at a very young age. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. What a blessing to be able to pick up from that day I was 24 years no no I was 20 Three, 22, 20, yeah, 22 years 22 years old and came home and it took me three phone calls to get Ann to say yes to marry me <laughs> <laughs> tell that story real quick <laughs> Mr. Romance here we'll tell you how that worked yeah. well <laughs> I came home from Vietnam in the uh, fall of 68, spring of 68, and uh, got discharged from the Marine Corps, and I was craving two things, and that was money and women, because I had been, <laughs> I had been, I had been With- devoid of either one of them for two or three years, and it was super excited to be in control 
and to figure out, and I ran into a buddy and, and got a job because he had a job as a pipeline welder. And they were paying those welders $2,400 a month in 1968. I could buy a brand new pickup every month. I could buy a brand new pickup every month and have money left over to live on. I said, oh, yeah, we got it made now, baby. Uh, the women thing wasn't very strong because there wasn't any women on them pipelines. But I went to a Christmas party at an old friend's house in Orla, Texas. Now, you wouldn't think in Orla, Texas that you were going to meet a beautiful woman. Population, too. Yeah. But Orla has a beautiful history of stories. I just love the stories of Orla, Texas. And we need a lot more podcasts to go through those. But anyway, uh, it was a beautiful party at a ranch called the Battle Axe by Malcolm Madera, that Malcolm Madera owned. And still is a great, great story of that ranch. Uh, I don't know if you all know Zane Kenny. Mm -hmm. I Zane, yeah, Zane bought the Battle Axe and then sold it. Mm -hmm. And that's where his major income come from is the water under that battle axe that he sold to the oil fields and so forth. But anyway, we're having a lovely party and they're uh, a fine guitar picker and beautiful steaks and having a lovely evening. And I, and there was Ann Wilson, the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. And I said, uh, wow, I got to have a date with that girl. And she wouldn't have anything to do with me. I barely got her to dance. And it was just a big zero. Well, that, <laughs> that wasn't fitting my style at all. <laughs> so I went home. And this woman hadn't even so much looked my direction. And so I thought, well, I got to get a haircut or something. And so <laughs> I <laughs> got to change something here. So, so anyway, I pursued her with gusto from the phone calls when we all got home, but she wouldn't answer her phone. Well, little did I know it was Christmas vacation. She was still at her mom and dad's house. She hadn't come home with the phone number she had given me. So finally Christmas vacation got over and I was working at an old friend's house of, uh, Mackie McAlpine in Toya, Texas. What a story there. This guy was a master at positive attitude. And I said, Mackie, I'm having hell getting a date with this old gal. And he said, well, what's wrong? I said, she, she just won't talk to me on the phone. He said, well, what time you've been calling her? I said, well, whenever I have time, whenever I can. He said, well, why don't you call her right now? I said, Mackie, it's three o'clock in the morning. He said, have another scotch. She'll answer. And so we were drinking, we were drinking scotch and having a lovely evening. And, uh, I called Ann at three o'clock in the morning and uh, asked her for a date that next weekend. And she said, if you'll get off the phone, let me go to bed. I'll go with you. So I said, good. So we had our first date the next weekend, had two more dates. And on the third date was my last day in Vietnam. I mean, in America, I was going to Australia as a pipeline welder. I had a contract to go to Australia. And so I, I said, I better have a good date with this old gal if I'm going to make an impression on her. So I borrowed a Bonnerville convertible Oldsmobile. Now, that's a big deal in 19, 
68. You were somebody if you had a Bonneville convertible. <laughs> and I took her to Juarez to Commodore Virginia's, which is a very, very nice place. And back then, Juarez was the place to go if you wanted to impress a young lady. They had the fanciest nightclubs and just the best music. And we just had a wonderful time at Juarez. And so we went to Commodore Virginia's. Manolo, I had him. I hired him to play the guitar while we were having these big uh, shrimp in a in a cocktail well, glass. Had, yeah, in a cocktail <laughs> glass. Oh, we were mm-hmm. having the best time you ever saw. And at the, at the end of the at the deal, we drove back through downtown Warriors, down 16th. What was the name of that street? Just a beautiful street. More activity, just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place to drive home. And I drove her home. And on the way home, I proposed. And she said, and it was about Guadalupe Peak when I proposed. And uh, 100 miles from Juarez. Yeah. (laughs) I've been been talking hard. (laughs) But she said, yes, I will marry you. And I said, wow, good, good, good. I said, okay. I'm going to Australia tomorrow. I will finish this job. When you finish teaching school in Odessa, we're going to have a, um, you fly to to Australia. We'll get married. We'll have a honeymoon cruise home. She said, wonderful. And so she got a passport and everything. Well, lo and behold, I went to Australia and I didn't, I wrote her letters. I illustrated letters. I painted on them. I did everything, but I put a, uh, not an airmail stamp, a land stamp. And so none of the mail was getting to her in Texas. <laughs> she didn't get any mail whatsoever from the 19th of January until February the 14th on Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day, I went and I hadn't heard from her. I thought, well, you know, back then you couldn't call. And you, it, communications was strictly airmail or mail. But I hadn't airmailed her. Anyway, I sent these roses to her, and they it was a florist in, in Australia, and I sent fourteen or a, a dozen long stem red roses to her address in Odessa, Texas. She got them, opened it up, and it was love, Mike. And she just that sealed the coupon right there. And so I how showed long, up. How long um, were you? In, how long were you in Australia? From January till May. Yeah. yeah five, five months. Yeah. And uh, and I showed up at her doorstep before she got out of school because our job had laid out in Australia. And there wasn't any other employment, and I didn't want to wait. I was tired of South Pacific. I'd had all the South Pacific I wanted. I'd ready to go back to Texas, and I was ready to actually had made up my mind I wasn't going to be a pipeline welder either. Uh, that just living under that hood and it was too anti-visual for me. I wanted to see daylight and I wanted to be outside. And so I said, that's, they, they're paying, they're paying good, but they're just not very exciting. And so, uh, I, I, I went, met Ann at the door and we talked and I said, baby, I still want to get married as soon as possible. But I said, uh, I don't want to be a pipeline welder anymore. And I said, I need to get this off my chest because if you married me, if you're going to marry me for my money, things are going to go downhill from here because I'm going to go get a ranch job. She said, she said, she said, that's fine with me. That's where I started. 
And so I said, good, good, good. And so we left. We went to work at Nickel Creek and then the D Ranch. And I went from 2500 a month to 250 a month <laughs> And after we got married. And she said, that was a cut and pay, Papa. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is that her calling you? No. No. One of my 42 players. But anyway, uh, we got married, moved out there, and and we have never, ever had a bad day since then. And just, and of course, uh, certainly been uh, Happily ever after, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost, almost. I thought that's what you wanted. <laughs> but well, Mike, we that need was, to um, another. F- we need to schedule you up again and get some more stories. This is wonderful. Well, this, well thank- this, this is a good segue into you doing a little uh, talking about your books real quickly. Uh, the, the illustrations with Ed Ashurst and your own books. And if y'all like these stories, they are written down a whole bunch of them in the cowboy life, right? Pop, what are the books and where can we find them? Get a hold of me and I'll get you all of, I have all of them on hand that are still in print. He, a few of his editions are, are out of edition now or out of print. But uh, but I have plenty of the books he and I collaborated on together, and they're just stories of what we've been talking about here. And and uh, Ed has similar stories of lots of really 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 great old time cowboys that are generation ahead of me. That's just good old stories of cowboys in Arizona that he knew. Right. And so it's all good reading and good. Good stuff, but uh, you, can, you have one, right? I mean, you you yeah, did yeah, yeah. one. He, he and I, well, stories. he and I, yeah, he and I collaborated on a book together, and they're yeah. his stories and my stories, and so uh, there's half his stories and half my stories, and then I illustrated all of them, right? And it it was kind of a oh, uh, so go ahead. Was there a list? The, can they go to your website and like, is your book on there or an easy way for people to contact you and we can dish out your phone number and all that now or emails, but you Mike Is that your MW Capron art? What is your website? www.mwcapron.com. Mwcapron.com. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, the technology is certainly a constant changing deal but if you google and if you go to the website you can find me if you want to very hard yep and and it's now my gosh i'm amazed at at how much information is out there for all of us if we just google and spend a little time on the internet Uh, and i constantly love looking at lots of different artists on the internet and they're just there's some great great and this is one final statement um I can't believe how many artists, I don't know if they're going down the same road we're going down, but they're close to being in our trail, on our trail. And there's some beautiful, beautiful artwork that the art business now is better than ever before if you commit to people and not the show so much. You take care of your customers and you pursue everybody with a positive attitude. You're going to peddle some art. 
And uh, I just can't believe how much people appreciate that attention to detail, to the journey of creating something beautiful. And there's some, I would love, here's another thing too. I would love to do a podcast to where we're not sitting here looking at our three mugs. (laughs) What What do you want to look at? (laughs) Okay. That's, I would love to do, I I love the audio, but I love to plug in a slideshow of some of these things that we're talking about so that people can see what we're talking about. Oh yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I have, I have enough paintings on my, and I don't know how to do this, but I will pursue it on how can we plug in a somewhere, a video in, in coordination with what we're doing here, of what we're talking about, so that we can uh, uh, click on certain things to look at and then talk about them. Mm-hmm. And I've got some beautiful artwork. I don't know who in the hell these guys are, but they can damn sure paint. And they're from, <laughs> they're, a lot of them are from Europe and, and mm. long ago. And, but they all have, these are all people in common who have done exactly what we've been talking about for years and years and years. And some of them are dead. Some of them are, uh, the market is a funny thing now because you don't have a common marketplace to peddle our wares. Mm-hmm. We have to go in so many different places that we need to create a following. And this is why people through the years created uh, clubs and organizations. And the TCAA has done a beautiful job of it. But y'all feel the cramp of getting people to join you to buy your stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, people now are buying stuff online and other places that they don't have to go to TCAA. And uh, so it's creating some things that uh, you, it makes it difficult for y'all as a club to maintain financial stability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really tough. And, and I'm sure that, uh, and I don't keep up with clubs very well. I've got out of the Marine Corps finally. And, <laughs> and, and I've just been pretty, I've been really having a good time being independent. But, nobody, uh, nobody could tell. <laughs> well, I'm very well, thankful. Well, we need to we need to do this again. We need to have stories and and uh, b- between the stories and the art discussions, I, I think there's a lot to learn and a lot of fun to have. And, uh, it is a connection. I really, really, and I would love to plug in some video. Uh, some uh, I've got another statement. Gary Dunchy, <laughs> <laughs> Gary Dunchy, my good friend who did the forward to our book was talking and he says, you know, he said, uh, I had some, uh, a very professional, uh, advertiser tell me one time <clears throat> that you need to advertise your store, but whatever you do, don't put a mugshot of you on the advertisement. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Huh? No, that's just horrible business is to put a picture of you on your advertisement. Nobody gives a <laughs> shit what you look like. <laughs> and, well, and they want to see your products. And so if you have this podcast where you can exemplify some of your products along with some of the discussion, then all of a sudden I think, yeah, wow, we got some interest level with what we're talking about. 
So to make you feel better, there nobody's seeing our mug shots. They're just listening to us. So it's it, there's no visualization of this podcast. It's just us visiting right now. We can see each other, but um, that is that is the next step in the journey, right, Carrie? As we get it to where we're yeah, we could be eventually. I mean, one one step at a time, one painful step at a time. But yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's certainly I agree. that. Yeah, that that yeah. Well, we better put a put a bow Modern. on it, gentlemen. So we've gone. Uh, I got some TCA projects I ain't done with yet. So I guess I better clock <laughs> clock in. Gary's got a deadline in a couple of weeks. Pop like at the end of this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> it ain't two weeks. It's yeah, Monday. four days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Well, I promise Woo. you, Gary, one thing. There's still a damn good chance you'll get into heaven if you don't finish them. Well, <laughs> I'd like to think so. I appreciate that vote of confidence. Well, it's been delight. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wish I, I wish uh, I've, I've been needing a Mike Capron uh, dose of uh, medicine here. So this is this will do me for a little while. But we need to. We need to make a habit of this somehow. And, and there's nothing like being in person. You coming to the show this fall, Mike? Yes, yes, very much so. Look forward to it for several reasons. And uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. And the older I get, um, the more I appreciate connections. And an old man told me the other day, he said, you better stay connected, kid, if you want to stay young. <laughs> absolutely well with that bit yeah. of advice we better thanks Bob. we we better put a wrap on it and uh get this thing edited and up there so people don't think we fell off the planet here on tuesday morning so that's it we, thanks, we need everybody. you to stay on for just a moment mike before we get it all uploaded so take don't care leave. you guys thank you carrie thank you wilson Adios, Pep. Adios.